0: Welcome to For the Love of Books, a podcast by Culture NL Libraries. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Culture NL Libraries podcast for the love of books. My name is Chris Wilson and I'm the eServices Librarian for Culture NL, and today I thought we'd have a little bit of a build-up to World Book Day, which is next Thursday, the 4th of of March. So, we got in touch with an author who's always really busy during World Book Day times, because she is always out, usually doing school visits and things like that. And as you will find out, she is just as busy this year, because we had a little, little chat earlier in the week, and she told us all about what our plans are, and much, much more. So, I would like to welcome our interview with... A.H. Proctor to the podcast, so I'll put that in for you to listen to now. So, Angela, thank you for being part of our podcast. You are probably better known to some readers as A.H. Proctor, um, and um the author of the Thumble Tumble series, which um was first published, I think, right, in two thousand fifteen. Is that right? It was,
1: yeah, Chris. Yeah. Um
0: and it's the and it's now up to four books in a series. Is that is that you four
1: published four? yeah four published number five
0: was due last year but then i'm blaming it on lockdown <laughs> oh dear, dear um and for anyone who doesn't know much about thumble tumble um it is based on what is what you describe as an extraordinary little witch and is set in aaron as well and um and, do you want to tell us a little bit more about the series so for our listeners who might not know much about it
1: so the book series itself is all about a feisty wee witch and her name is Thumble Tumble. She lives on the Isle of Arran with her two aunties and she has an evil nemesis called Mordred. Mm. Now, there are six books in the series. I have written the first four, but as you go through the series, you start to understand what Mordred is after. And it's really wee Tumble's special powers. So... It's a kind of a continuation, shall we say, that all the stories, um, although can be read individually, do lead into one another. Um, mm-hmm. And they're kind of just really, um, as I say, all about the wee witch. And some of the magical things that I've found on Aaron, I just write about them.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, and where did the inspiration come from for the books? Um, where did the idea of the type behind Thumble Tumble come from?
1: Um, Chris, it was my two kids. I'm um, probably about the age your son is just now, my wee girl, when she was four and my son was two. Mm-hmm. Um, they've always wanted stories. So when they were when when they were really small, they would say, can we get a story out of your mouth? Which meant a made up story instead of one out of a book. And so Sky, my wee girl, she would ask for stories about and um, witches and dragons you know and the very, yeah. everything about Thumble tumble came from her because we were walking along the beach one night in Aran, she tripped you know right before she trips we're looking at the sky I don't know if you've been to Aran; it's, it's quite spectacular and um, the night sky is really dark yeah and actual fact there's no light pollution on, Alan, uh, on Aran, so it means that when you see a star it's hugely bright so she points to the wee star and she says, Mummy, what's that? I said, Oh, that's the wee witch from Adam. She <laughs> promptly falls down a ditch. I grab her and I, she's like, What's it? What's she called? I grab Sky and say, Why well, she don't take a tumble? And my four-year-old hears thumble tumble. And she's like, Ooh, thumble tumble. Ooh, tell me a story all about the witch, thumble tumble, and a bad witch and a dragon. That's and fantastic. that was most most and well, it
0: the like very first that, story. That is amazing. And so just from that one little incident, you have managed to kind of create four and five what, what number five on the way of, of books, fantastic. I absolutely love that. From
1: from that and many other visits, I suppose every time we visit Aaron, yeah. so the inspiration are the kids, but also Aaron, because every time we go there, my kids um When we were on the Holy Isle, there's this really long grass that waves as the wind blows through. It's really wavy grass. And every now and then, there's a thistle waving in the grass. So we told the children they were called thistle pixies and they were running through the grass. (laughs) And they seen, we, you know, they see the thistle waving. So they think it's a thistle pixie running through the grass. And we even took older kids. And, I mean, my, my friend's children, when they came over with us, they were like maybe, you know, 11, 12, totally non believers. <laughs> we take them to the Holy Isle, and of course, they were hunting thistle pixies. And I'm like, i <laughs> a 12 year old. So it was hilarious how from, yeah, there's no such thing as a thistle pixie to, oh my goodness, I see one, I see it, let's get it, come on, run, run. <laughs> and you're like, okay. Let's
0: get the thistle fixing. <laughs> yeah, it's, ama- it's amazing how those little things can get kind of spark off imagination so well in kids, and they, they, and and if they do buy into it, they run with it, and it becomes such a big major thing. So yeah, good. they they see it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. you, you seen it? Yeah, yeah, we seen
0: it. <laughs> it's, a sh- it's a shame sometimes that some adults kind of lose that part of their imagination a little bit and don't have that same um, kind of creativity in, the, in their mind sometimes. Um, But aside from being just fantastic stories, um, I I noticed that there's also a lot of school support on on your website and things like that. And there's teaching packs and things like that available. Is that right?
1: There is. So so far we have teaching packs for book one and book two. Mm -hmm. The teaching packs are free. um, And the way we designed it is we designed a teacher's teaching pack and a pupil's teaching pack. The teacher's teaching pack has been designed specifically for the teacher and it has a lot of the information and answers, if you like, within it. The pupils has been designed um, so that when they've got to draw a picture, the frame is what they print off, you know. So they're very specifically designed for the pupil and the teacher separately. And we got them, um, luckily, all downloadable the second book went on just as lockdown was happening and that was so that um, teachers could still utilize the books and the pack and children could just go onto the website and download you know what page or whatever it is they needed from the pack one bit at a time although we were conscious that a lot of children just don't have access to PCs and things like that so we also paid Um, I think a a small sum of about five thousand pounds, and we had lots of the packs printed. Okay. And we had them delivered to schools, so that there was physical hard copies of the packs in schools, um, so that they could be handed out to children as well. So, um, primarily online. But we did supply as many as we could actually
0: afford um, hard copies of the packs as well to schools. Yeah, that's right. And obviously at the moment with this kind of all in lockdown and things like that, um, I'd imagine they'll come in quite, quite useful for parents trying to kind of do things as well, because they can probably use that as well in some kind of way for sort of home learning and things like that as well. Um, but what, why was it something that you wanted to make um, sure that you had the, the, those teaching packs available for? What was the kind of inspiration behind wanting to make sure that that was available for the books?
1: As you know, I only became an author um, just over five years ago. But since then, I've visited, I think now, well over 200 schools. And as I was visiting schools, um, what I found is that teachers, teachers have to do an enormous amount of work. Mm-hmm. Um, and until you really see it and experience it for yourself, it's almost difficult to comprehend the level of work that these guys actually take on behind the scenes so quite often when they are doing a novel study a lot of the teaching material they're creating from scratch you know they're actually they, they will create a full plan how they're going to meet the curriculum for excellence and what I wanted to do was just make their jobs a bit easier because I thought well if the pack is there and it meets the current curriculum for excellence and we designed it it was teachers who wrote it for us teachers designed it teachers checked it out what they wanted was um, a pick and choose like a pick and mix you can okay. dip in and out of the pack you don't need to you know start at chapter one and do everything in it until the end yeah. what they wanted to be able to do was dip in and out of the pack and also use it for different levels so it was so both teaching packs have been designed that some children are more advanced um, with their literature their ability to read and write than others and the pack's been designed to try to cater for as many abilities as we possibly could within one teaching pack. Yeah. Um, but it was to try to help the teachers, give them a resource to save them having to recreate the wheel every time they, they, they maybe picked up a thumble Tumble book. And we're hoping Teaching Pack 3 will be with them by the time we launch the new book um, in the autumn. So we're, we're, we're really working hard to get the next Teaching Pack ready for them as well.
0: Fantastic. So that kind of leads a little bit onto what my next question was going to be was anyway. What is what is next for Thumble Tumble? So you can imagine there, the next book's coming out in, in the autumn, did you say? Hopefully.
1: Hopefully. <laughs> yes, yes, <Because> the next book <laughs> is, is scheduled for the
0: autumn.
1: Yes. Um it probably better not be later than the autumn, according to my publisher. So yes, I am working, I'm beavering away, trying to get as many words down on paper as I can. The entire book series is in my head, but it's of no use in my head unless I can get <laughs> it out onto paper, you know? Yeah. So I've been working hard on book five. And it was really funny, my kids know all the stories, right? It's their stories from when they were children, so they know everything. And we were having a big debate over the title of book five and um, because they've known book five for years, um, as story five. Yeah. And DK Rowling brought out the Cursed Child. Yeah. Right. My book was supposed to be called Thumble Tumble and the Cursed Witches. <laughs> and now our debate is do we change the title to The Witches' Curse so it's not like looking like it copied that, or do we stick to the original title, which was The Cursed Witches, these triplets mm-hmm. who are cursed, whom, as I say, my kids have known about. Since Sky was four years of age, and she's like, yeah. but "Normally they are cursed. They are cursed witches," and I'm like, "Okay, it looks like my child will probably overwhelm me once again." But we'll see.
0: <laughs> so that's they, the proctor family debate on book five. <laughs> they, they do the children do it anyway in these sort of fights, I think. So, yes. so you never know. You you'll need to put up a good fight to kind of to see if you want to change it or not. um So, and next week is going to, is World Book Day, which um, is a massive. Day for for libraries and readers and children's authors all over the, the UK. Um, um, how big a day is that for for you? Um, and, and do you have any kind of big plans coming up for for the day?
1: Well, Chris, normally it's a massive day, and nothing has changed. So COVID hasn't been able to take away what a day for Thumble Tumble.
0: tumble.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, we uh, we started calling it World a week. Because, uh, you know, for the last two years, um, World Book Day has actually been the Monday to the Friday and three or four, if we could squeeze them in sessions a day, so that we could accommodate as many schools as possible. It has changed this year in that, obviously, most schools aren't actually, most pupils are, are working from home. So what we've had to do this year is we are doing a virtual World Book Day author visit. We are pre-recording and so far we are pre-recording, I think it's 28 or 29 confirmed primary schools. We're going mm, to be fantastic. doing a pre-recorded session for the children. We upload it to a YouTube channel, the Tumble Tumble YouTube channel, so yeah. that the children can access it securely. And that was so that they could access it very easily from any device, from home or from the school. Yeah. Um, so we're going to be doing that we've got the kids sending us in ask the author questions and um, we've got them sending us in pictures of them dressed up in previous World Book Days we've got them sending us in pictures that they have drawn that have anything to do with the book writing literature a trip to the library anything that connects to World Book Day we've got some pictures and um, we've asked for some special messages from the teachers from the parents From anyone who wants to give the kids a special message at this time. Um, So that after the reading, it's just all about them, it's their questions and answers. We're going to be reading some of their stories, showing their pictures, and then giving them some really special messages uh, from the school and parents. So I'm I'm excited actually, I think it'll be awesome.
0: Yeah, that sounds fantastic. And a lot lot of work uh, from your side as well, but it sounds a bit so you'll be a busy person.
1: An awful lot of work. Yep. Well, you know, it
0: exciting. It'll be great. We'll get yeah. there. <laughs> but I mean that, that's that is something as well that you have as, uh, as I was imagining that as quite an achievement for yourself as well because I mean creating kind of content and things like that and, and having that out there for kids, especially at a time like this whenever as uh, it is a difficult time for for parents and kids and teachers alike. It's a it's a great thing to be kind of putting out there into the community. So so it's big like well done, I think, uh from us on that one. Um and, and it's great to see here like the COVID's not kinda kind, of, kind of impacting too much on your plans as well. So that's a big massive thing thing as well. Um, I noticed on your your website as well that you have launched a bid um, to try and get some support for a children's laureate in Scotland um, role to to kind of get up and running in in Scotland. Um, Why is that something you're kind of quite passionate about um, and what do you see that role doing if if it ever does materialise?
1: Well, um, just to try and give you a wee bit of background to the children's laureate, at the moment there is a UK children's laureate who is quite fantastic, Chrysida Cowell um How to Train Your Dragon? Need I say more? <laughs> and she is fabulous, absolutely fabulous. Um, and she is the the UK Children's Laureate. Um, and her sponsor, if you like, as the UK Children's Laureate, is Waterstones. Now I mention that because there is a commerciality behind that role, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and because Chrisiter has to cover the entire UK. She only has a small amount of time, if you like, to allocate to Scotland, because she's got to cover Scotland, Ireland, Wales and England. And just by head of population, it means that she has to spend more time in England. Um, So we get quite limited access to the UK, Laura, just for that that reason. It's just physically impossible for her to be here more. Yeah. the commerciality is simply because, again, if a company like Waterstones are having to sponsor something, um, there has to be some sort of commercial angle. And although last year was not a good year for to measure anything against, um, in 2019, when did do her first um, live performance, if you like, uh, it, it was in London, and it was £42 for a family of four to attend. Yeah. Now, it's... it's It might not sound like a lot of money. That is a huge amount of money for a lot of families here in Scotland. Um, So I think the aim of a laureate is to try to maybe get to those children who need the laureate more, but the commercial um, side of things might mean that the very people who you're trying to access might be the people who have the less chance of having more exposure to you. Um, so there's that now don't get me wrong they they do do live you know they'll they'll do um, pre-recorded sessions that the the skills can you know um, come into and things like that but do you know nothing touches a child quite like an author being right there right beside them you know they run away to their classroom and they pick up their story that they wrote and they run back with it and you read it and honestly, I, I, you can see it. You know, you see their, um, you see their enthusiasm. It, it builds 100%. It's mm-hmm. why um, I've started to take to asking children to send in their stories and reading it, you know, with a wee bit of hyperbole and the odd accent. Because kids write amazing stories. They see most of it in their head. So they'll write, you know, Jack went to the shop. There was a man. The man came out of the shop. Jack ran away, you know, so so you write it. When you're reading their story, it's like, you know, Jack went to the shop and there was a stranger standing in the doorway, you know, the stranger (laughs) had two heads. And before you know it, the wee boy who gave you the story, that's what he wrote. He goes back and tells his teacher, and you know, miss, when I was thinking about the two heads, and she's reading the same story thinking, I'm not seeing the two heads. (laughs) (laughs) But it it really does touch them a bit more. So sorry, I digress. Ireland um, have their own laureate and Wales recently appointed their own children's laureate because Wales realised that trying to share the UK laureate wasn't giving them what they needed because, you know, they have their own individual needs. Um, And I really feel as though Scotland, we've got a massive attainment gap here which means children on lower incomes are not achieving as well in literature as those children from higher incomes okay and and, and we've been trying to close this attainment gap for a long time and perhaps if we had a children's laureate who sees all children because let's yes. face it every author loves every child a uh, children's author you know and yes. um, but you can if, if it's your laureate and there's no commercial pressure on you then you could focus very heavily on let's try and get to those kids who are from lower income backgrounds from deprived areas those children maybe with disabilities who don't always get the opportunity and it's not always physical disabilities it could be mental disabilities mm-hmm. you know yeah. that don't maybe get the same opportunities as as the wider sort of group of kids to, to see an author so if we had our own then that's I think where I would you know I would want to strongly focus on let's have some specific goals, we'll reach all children, but we'll focus on those children who need us the most. Yeah. And try the whole time to close that attainment gap in literature.
0: Yeah. And and I think that I think what you mentioned there about um authors, can kind of see authors in person, it really does kind of bring a, a big spark to, to kids as well. Kind of a bit like what we were talking about earlier on about the the cat that sort of that imagination that that, that kids have and stuff. It does. Uh, you, you see, we see it in whenever we have children's authors and, and libraries and things like that. That sometimes you know, the, the kids arrive and might not, they might not look as too into the visit and things like that. Sort of stuff. But as soon as the author comes on, comes out and starts talking about the stories and their story and things like that, you can see the kind of the, the sort of imagination kind of glowing and, and, and kind of getting fired up. And I suppose that's that's kind of partly how we end up kind of with future authors coming coming through in the in the future as well. So it's something that could be quite a valuable thing to have so um, we'll see how you're it's a two-way
1: street. i have to tell you it is you know the pre-recorded sessions are fine but do you know nothing beats walking into a classroom or into a dining hall um yeah. you know when they're having assembly it is the the feeling that the author gets is just overwhelming it's amazing
0: yeah. You don't quite get the same feedback from a camera looking at you rather than, than a bunch of kids. No, it, <laughs> it, it,
1: it's it's very different. Pre pre recorded is probably the most difficult thing I think I've ever done because it's just you, the you know the digital guys, um, and so so there's maybe a cameraman, one sound techie person, and you in the camera, and it's like it's not the same as having one hundred and fifty kids there tweaking yeah. at you, saying excuse me, I need to go to the toilet. Oh right,
0: that wasn't one of the questions I was expecting in the author's questions. <laughs> yeah, and do you, do you know? It's, I, I think, like you say, it's it's a bit different creating that kind of content and things like that as well. Like I, over the, the course of a lot of time, we've increased the amount of sort of video content we've we've been creating for for social media and things like that. And I do I, I know that I, I sometimes re-record things about three or four times just to get it right because because with it being on film, it feels like you need to get it absolutely perfect. But when I mean, it's some imperf- in person. It can be a little bit different, and you can kind of you can kind of make fun a little bit of any little mistakes and things like that you make, or things like that sort of stuff. So I often of, do Chris, I yeah. often so. do.
1: <laughs> that was all part of the session.
0: Yeah, I was meant to trip there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, is, it definitely does make it a lot different. Now just to kind of uh, touch back a little bit again on um, World Book Day, um, I was kind of having a little think about um, one of the things that childrens do, at, um, children do a, a lot whenever they come to, um, to World Book Day and actually I don't think this is a question that I, I wrote down for you, actually I meant to write this one down, I forgot, It uh, was that um, they, the one of the big things that they do is get dressed up for, as a favourite book character and I did wonder if you had in your head which book character Thumble Tumble would get dressed up for for World Book Day. So You, you, you did, you did give me that question in advance,
1: thank you very much Chris. Um, I've got to say, um, for Thumble Tumble, right, I'm thinking she's feisty, she's female, and she fights for freedom. And she's not quite a book character, it's more of a comic character, but I was thinking Wonder Woman.
0: Oh wow. She could be was. a
1: young Wonder Woman because you know that's pretty much what she is only in Scotland, really specifically for us on. <laughs> um and on World Book Day, um, I've got to say it's been amazing in the past because when, by book three, you know, and, and the kids are really getting to know who you are and they know the stories, um, I've turned up and they've had whole thumble tumble themed days. So the wee boys and the wee girls are all just sitting with a, uh,
0: you know, witchy's hats with pink pom poms on the top, and I'm just like awesome. I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. That is one of the great things about World Book Day is, is kind of having kids. Can you, you even see? You see it even just kind of driving to work or whatever, and you'll see the kids kind of wandering towards nursery or or whenever they're going, dressed up as a book characters. And it's one of the greatest sights I think you can see is as all these little book characters coming to life to, to, uh, to life for one day. So it's it's, it's a nice day that kind of stuff. Um, And the other thing I was going to ask you as well was that besides obviously Thumble Tumble, if you could recommend one children's book for children to have a read that on World Book Day, what would you recommend?
1: Well, you know, I had to think about this for a while because my favourite books are all um, fairy tales by the Brothers Grimm. Mm -hmm. Okay. But... There is one writer whose books did actually um also influence me as a child, and it was Lewis Carroll. And of oh, course right? it's Alice through the looking glass because yes. it's magical adventure. It's got a wee female heroine in there. I don't know if it's just because I'm a female Chris. I don't mean it like that, <laughs> but you know, there's not many books who have. The, the sort of strong female character. So I think perhaps um, Alice Through the Looking Glass by Lewis Carroll is a fantastic book, and really good illustrations as well. If you yeah. if you look at the original ones,
0: that's a fantastic recommendation. I, I think if if I was to pick one at the moment, um, recently, you may be a little bit young for it still. But one of the things that we've been kind of reading at night time with my son is um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and and actually it's been it's been it's been so long since I've read it, I've actually been enjoying reading it again. <laughs> so, I,
1: I love, I, one of the, my best things is, because I still read with my kids, and, and we we sometimes, the three of us, so I've got a 10-year-old and a 12-year-old, the three of us will climb into the one bed, the duvet, and we'll take a chapter each. Mm-hmm. And of course, um, if I'm maybe working away or doing something, I'm like to their, you know, I say, no, don't let daddy do it. Yeah, I'm, I'm not missing out chapter those three chapters. No, 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 no. <laughs> don't let daddy do it. That night, just do, reading for pleasure, some other book. Some book is not the book that we are reading. <laughs> it's sure.
0: terrible. And I'm like, no, no, I
1: don't want to miss it.
0: We, ha- we have that same problem as well because cause normally um, both myself, my wife and, and my son go to, to his bed for, room for kind of stories at night time and, and we've been doing that with Charlie and Chocolate Factory reading like a chapter at, at night and then some of the kind of picture books as well um, and there was one night my wife had to do something else and she was like, I'm going to miss a chapter of Charlie and Chocolate Factory and I was like, well, I don't know what you want me to say. <laughs> if I'm you don't make it to the bedroom. Later. You know? <laughs> Yeah, so that's it. I think that's a couple of good recommendations there for anyone who's looking for something to read with their child and, and World Book Day, for sure. Um, uh, f- finally, I thought I'd kind of round up our, our WeChat um, with a little touch on charity work, because I know that you're a, a huge supporter of charity work. I, I seem to remember at some point um, you convinced me to smack eggs on my head for the NHS at some point, and there's definitely mm-hmm. video evidence out there on the internet if anyone wants to search for it hard enough to find it. Um, and I also recently saw you doing a, a snow angel as well for uh, the Beetson charity, the uh, cancer charity as well. So um, do you want to kind of tell us a little bit about some of the charity work that you're involved with as well?
1: Um, well, just to be honest, the, the Beetson is, um, or not Beetson, but cancer is the reason I became an author. Mm. Um, my mum was diagnosed with cancer and um, very, very quickly passed away. Um mm. To the extent that we hadn't really prepared ourselves for her death, you know, we yeah. knew she was terminally ill, but it just seems to still come a shock. You're completely not expecting it. And it really threw me. I was quite down, quite sad. I don't know if, I don't, I don't know what, you know, I never seen a GP, so I wouldn't know if I was depressed, but I certainly found it very difficult to try and motivate myself or lift yeah. myself. And it seemed to get worse every day. And it was my husband who suggested to me that I write down the stories I told the children. And at the time, he said it was for prosperity, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Later, he admitted that he was getting really worried about me and just was just trying to get me to do anything, any kind of focus that wasn't focusing on the complete spiral of sadness that I was getting myself into. So I started to write down the first book. Um, I sent it off to a publisher. I was, in fact, I sent it off to about ten publishers, and that was the end of it. Really, you know, I thought, right, I've I've written it, and and just doing something that wasn't totally, you know, dwelling on my mum's death had worked. But I I got a publishing deal, um, which was shocking because, uh, you know, at that point, two very small children and a full time job. So, but I thought, no, I'm going to run with it. You know, why not? So. I went ahead and you know, I got my first book published, then my second, and you know, I'm now writing my fifth book. But when that first book got published, I thought, and I'm by no stretch of anybody's imagination, am I a millionaire author, but I thought, you know what, I'd quite like to be able to use this book um in some way as a kind of legacy for my mum. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know, she's the reason I feel like her death is why I started to write, and it was the Beatson who'd looked after my mum, it's where she was happiest in those last months. So I thought, you know what, I'll try and use the books to raise money for the Beatson and in different ways because not many people will realize. I mean, as an author, you earn something like why well, earn 37 pence or thereabouts royalty per book, so you know. It's not gonna, it's not gonna buy any new cancer treatments. It's just not enough. Mm-hmm. So what I did is try to do things a bit different, and all, I auctioned a character from my book, um, and that raised three thousand seven hundred and fifty pounds. Fantastic. And then where the book is set is I've got a small cottage on the Isle of Arran, and it really is a small wee button then. <laughs> Um And what <clears throat> what I thought I would do is um, I thought I would let patient. Sh- Families who were suffering with cancer, who couldn't afford to go a holiday, what we did is we donated the cottage to them for a summer, um, and I mean, all during the summer holidays, the families could go and enjoy it. And we asked for it to be families who were maybe you know less able to afford a holiday of their own, because we really wanted people who just who, who couldn't go a holiday to have a mm. holiday just to get away. So some of the families that used the cottage, it was called the Beats and Respite Project. Had never been a holiday in their lives before. So a week right. on Aaron was the first holiday they'd ever been, and they all loved it. But to add to it, we offered um one week in the cottage for an auction. We said, right, if you want to pay for it, you can join the Beats and Respite families and have a week in the cottage. Anyway, two separate bidders bid £8,750 each. Wow. Who stay in the cottage, so we've got an extra sixteen and a half thousand pounds for the charity so overall Fantastic. um it's it's well over twenty thousand pounds um I'm not quite sure if I'm up to the thirty just yet for the beatson, but so um they're my official partner charity, so um that's just so that we can let others know that if I'm gonna be doing any fundraising it, it it's you can only fundraise for so many people, so for yeah, me it, it's the beatson. Um, and that's kind of where the Beats and Link comes from. So when you pick up any of the tumble tumble uh, literature or you look, you'll, you'll see the links to the Beats and you'll see me speaking at various events when I'm trying to basically, you know, claw money out of people for the charity. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, and the other charity work's just being, um an aside, the NHS, the Egghead Challenge, it was just a way to to try and raise some money get teachers involved you know raise awareness of how amazing teachers are but at the same time raise some money for um could the nhs at that time yeah. um so I, I suppose that's and the other bits of primary schools we donate to and libraries
0: yeah fantastic. one
1: of my favorite charities to help out <laughs>
0: But I mean, that, I mean that's that's quite amazing work that you've done there, and and obviously it's a very personal site it as well, which which um, makes it kind of all the more important. Probably I would imagine to you to kind of to do that. So that's a fantastic fantastic achievement. Um, so well done uh, on on that and raising so much money for that. Yeah, <laughs> and also yeah. obviously well done to all the people who have donated the the their money to to your your causes as well, because. That's an incredible amount of money for for anyone to be able to come up with and and raise, so fantastic. But um, Yes, that's the end of all my questions that I have for you, Andrea. Thank you very much for joining me today on the podcast, Um, and I hope you have a fantastic World Book Day when it comes, and your your videos do very well with all the skills and stuff like that. I'm sure they will. Thank you very much for having
1: me, Chris. I've
0: enjoyed it. Brilliant. So there you have it guys. Thank you very much to Angela or aka AH Proctor um, for joining us and telling us all about Thumble Tumble and also her World Book Day plans. Um, We hope that you have a fantastic World Book Day next week and enjoy some fantastic stories. Um, Whether you're young or old it's always a great time to enjoy a story and you can also get involved in our Read Well NL reading challenge which launched during Love Life Love Libraries. It's a reading challenge that encourages you to read for at least six minutes per day um, and for six weeks and you get to kind of hopefully feel the benefits of regular reading for, for pleasure. So you can find out all about that on our website at www.culturenl.co.uk slash readwellnl and you'll find out all about it there. Um, also, on as always, our libraries are still closed at the moment so you can still access our online services um, which could borrow box our online library and you can access that 24-7 to get access to ebooks and e-audiobooks as well. If you need your password for that, you can get that by filling out the form at www.culturenl.co.uk slash password request. Um, if you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast, you can leave us some feedback using the hashtag FLBpodcast on Twitter or by emailing us at librarypodcast at and leaving us a little bit of feedback. So that's all for us for today, guys. Thank you very much for listening, and do look out for more episodes coming soon. Bye-bye, guys.